Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, 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 I get it. Now, on to the episode. Do you know what makes a good movie good? (laughs) Well, it's a lot of things, actually. Exceptional writing, world-class acting, stellar cinematography, and a team of people who are experts in their fields all working together to make something shine on the silver screen. There are lots of venerated positions within the art of filmmaking, and even more tasks that seem to go unnoticed or unappreciated. And one of these in particular makes some of our favorite movies timeless, exciting, and highly rewatchable. Special effects have always been a staple for visual media. While live special effects have been around for ages to help playwrights tell their stories on stage, Shakespeare's plays at the Globe Theater frequently used fireworks, fake blood, fake body parts, and more to make his plays come to life in the 16th century. Special effects are a bit newer. As far as we know, the earliest special effects committed to film were in Oscar Reichlander's 1857 image in which he combined 32 negatives into a single frame, creating what is now known as a montaged combination print. The first motion picture special effect came a few decades later in 1895, when Alfred Clark created a scene depicting the beheading of Mary, Queen of Scots, by carefully timing the movement of his actors with strategic camera stops that showed an actor with their head in one frame and a dummy who had its head removed by an actor playing the executioner in subsequent frames. This created a brand new practical effect called a stop trick. Fast forward 100 years and practical effects have dominated the silver screen and our imaginations. Films like Alien and The Thing, both regarded as extremely tense and frightening films in their own rights, use practical effects to tell their stories and make us feel like we were actually seeing an alien burst out of a young John Hurt's chest, or that Charles Hallahan's head actually did rip itself off its shoulders and skitter away with monstrous spider-like appendages. Most films today tend to lead into computer-generated imaging to tell their stories, and while good CGI allows filmmakers to stretch the limits of their craft, as seen in Avatar or any Marvel movie, It leaves something to be desired, doesn't it? It just doesn't feel as real as the scenes we love to be scared of from our favorite films of the 70s and 80s. Which is why Barbarian is such a breath of fresh air. While the story itself is extremely compelling and more than a little scary, it's the practical effects of the film that really suck you into the world and make you feel like it could actually happen. Along with the obvious effect of the mother, which we'll get into a little later, Things like set dressing, lighting, fake weather, and even in-camera framing help the audience buy into this story of horror, heartbreak, 
and the edge of human limits. Let's start with the set. Barbarian takes place largely in a renovated home in an otherwise rundown neighborhood in Chicago. We as the audience immediately feel isolated and in danger. Instinctively, we know that being the odd one out is not a good thing, and being surrounded by dilapidated structures adds to the air of instability and fear. The set itself was built on a farm in Bulgaria. Production designer Rosit Sabakeva was personally responsible for bringing the neighborhood to life. Inside the house, which takes up the majority of the screen time, director of photography Zach Cooperstein had his work cut out for him. But he devised a rather simple plan for juxtaposing the relative safety of the upstairs with the horrific danger of the basement. Quote, the main references were David Fincher upstairs, Sam Raimi downstairs. We tried to be as motivated as possible with the camera movement when things were happening upstairs. And then as soon as the shit hits the van downstairs, it's all fast edits and fast moves, just trying to amp up the energy as much as we could. The last large set piece was the water tower at the climax of the film. Since it would be dangerous to place actors on an actual water tower, the team built a replica of the top of the tower on a soundstage. Zach Kreger, the director of Barbarian, said this about the process. We surrounded the silo with 270 degrees of black fabric, poked a bunch of holes in it, and backlit it, and it looked great. To address the problem of it looking a little too fake, Cooperstein created an adjustable horizon line to give the audience a reference point. It was kept relative to the camera via a set of chain motors. Barbarian is a masterclass in lighting, and by extension, practical color grading. While it is true that CGI color grading took place in the post-processing portion of production, a lot of what we see in the final film was achieved practically through set lighting and gels. The basement was especially challenging for Cooperstein to figure out. The majority of the scenes in the basement were shot handheld and with the lowest lighting possible. I hate it in movies where there's a flashlight scene and somehow there's other light in the space. We did experiment with backlight in the tunnel, but it just looked too fake. Between using a camera that is capable of processing images in extremely low light, the Sony Venice if you're interested, and instructing the actors to hold their flashlights in ways that could bounce light off the walls and create more ambient lighting, Cooperstein was able to create an environment that was realistically lit and terrifying to watch. Color also plays a huge role in Barbarian's narrative. Kreger started with the idea of the story after having a scary experience renting an Airbnb for a wedding. The story, which evolved from a short film to a 45-minute exploration to a full-length directorial debut, was always told in his mind's eye through various splashes of color. So I knew I wanted pink here and blue here, like baby colors. On the top floor, there's some pink and some blue at play as well. I talked a lot with Rossi. She had some really great ideas. I don't know if you noticed in Frank's room, there's a big beachscape on the wall, and I was especially thrilled with that because when we meet AJ, he's at the beach, and I tried to draw the parallels between these two characters. Frank is kind of the crystallization of AJ. He's like everything that's toxic and terrible about AJ, boiled down to its essence. I wanted the idea that AJ is confronting himself down there, so that's a nice little visual clue that this is him. That's the kind of thing no one would ever notice. That's just for me, but I liked it that it's in there. It's texture. Finally, the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's talk about the mother. Brought to life by Matthew Patrick Davis, the mother is a towering, terrifying result of incest and isolation. While there are typically storyboards and sketches for this type of thing, 
Davis didn't have any sort of idea as to what type of character he would be playing. When asked about the process, he said, I was on a plane to Bulgaria and crossing my fingers, hoping it would be convincing. The Mother is a stunning amalgamation of practical effects and acting. Davis was particularly hands-on in the creation of the character, providing input about certain prosthetic pieces such as a posterior appliance, which was later abandoned because it looked too fake, and various versions of the mother's breasts, which were too boob-job-looking at first. In the end, Davis's own features make up a surprising percentage of the mother's visage. Davis specifically said that he ended up being ass-out because of the elimination of the posterior appliance and that the mother's nose and chin are actually his. They were not covered with prosthetics. Legendary special effects actor Doug Jones also suggested contact lenses to change the color of his eyes. This took the design of the mother from cartoony to creepy and allowed for some genuinely frightened reactions from audiences. While CGI has its place in films, obviously not all movies can do things practically, practical effects let us melt into the worlds of our favorite stories. It's why older films like 2001 A Space Odyssey and Scanners hold up and feel like they've aged well, while CGI-heavy movies like Freddy vs. Jason and the The Thing prequel from 2011 look and feel like they've aged like milk. But what do you think? Did you enjoy Barbarian's practical effects, or did you think it could have used a light dusting of some CGI to enhance the visuals? Let us know what you think about Barbarian on our Instagram at CleverGhouls, and share this episode with your friends so you have all the deets about one of our favorite films of 2022. The Clever Goals podcast is run by Blair, Megan, Melissa, and Marissa. This minisode was made by Blair. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. You can find links to his content in the show notes. For more episodes, expanded show notes, and other spooky content, find us on Instagram with our handle at Clever Ghouls. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>